0: Hello, and welcome to the It's Not Personal podcast, a podcast about making work more engaging, more fulfilling, and ultimately more human by taking the ego out of leadership. I am here with Ken Grady, a Fortune 500 CIO and business leader, as well
1: as Gentleman Farmer and Snappy Dresser. And I'm here with Seth Rigoletti, my always friend and often collaborator and co-conspirator. Seth is an executive and communications coach worked with a number of different organizations and whose superpower is helping people understand the difference between what's being said and what's being heard. All right,
0: welcome back to It's Not Personal. Ken, how you doing today? Oh, man,
1: it's been a week. <laughs> you know, I talk about the fact that, so number one, you know, with my team, I say, look, we work hard, we don't take our, ourselves that seriously. We take the work seriously, we don't take ourselves that seriously. So there's been a lot of good good conversations about, like, checking in, how you doing. But it's, I mean, anybody that's got both a combination of, you know, operational responsibilities, leadership responsibilities. So not every week is fun. Not every day is right. as fun as the other day. But that being said, you know... We move the needle a little bit. We move the ball forward a little bit. That's my sports ball metaphor. Good job. Move move the ball forward a little bit. And if you just look at it and say, are we better off this week than we were the week before? Then, you know, I could start. Okay, I can work with that. Um, But, yeah, it's been a little bit. of. How about you?
0: How's your week been? Yeah, I think think the same. I think it's just um, um, there are some days, right, when you feel like, you feel like you're in you're in the basement. The water is getting a little high. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, well, should I be worried about that?
1: <laughs> Maybe I should be. You no, know, I after. can still
0: like I'm. You know, my 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 undershorts are still not wet, so I'm okay. Right. Like, there's something. there can just be this feeling, this unsettling feeling, like the water is getting a little high. And just to put that in perspective, you know, it can happen with emails. It can happen with. Uh, things that you've put on the, the table, you said, I want to get this done by the end of this month, or I want to get this thing accomplished, or I'm going to get back to this person or mm. make a decision about this. And then, you know, time just goes by, and the pressure starts to build, right? And I think in your job... I mean, I, I'm talking about, I'm in a very small level
1: that's happening to me. I can't imagine
0: how you manage that kind of...
1: Well, I mean, you're, number one, you know, I know that in this, this sort of goes back to what we were talking about the other day or the other week about gratitude. And, you know, I, I remind myself, I start by reminding myself that I work with really smart people that are all there for a reason and I can rely on them and they can rely on me and they know that. Number two... I think it's really important to acknowledge when you're in those moments, when you're like, you know what, I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling a little extra pressure today, right? I'm mm-hmm. feeling like I got some more work than I have capacity. Um, I feel like it's important to, I don't mean like, you know, just going a whining fest, although sometimes whining might be part of my process, right? particularly after I've worked out, right. whining, about I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's my recovery process. But actually acknowledging like, wow, there's a lot, there's a lot going on right now. Yeah, You know, I, I actually told my team several times, I said, if it feels like there's a lot going on, it's because there is. Yeah. Which is actually a good thing. Thinking about the topic today,
0: it's a good thing to say out loud. Yeah. Right? Because we have stories in our head. Yeah. Right. That where We will say, you know, I, I will say sometimes, oh, you know, someone will say, how you doing? I'm so oh, I'm so busy. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, well, am I? Like, what's, what's the story there? Like, yeah. what actually am I busy with? I'm like, oh, I'm doing a bunch of stuff I want to do, right? Like, that, is that busy? Is that, or am I just full? My, right. is that, so in full? That, boy, that's a great distinction. Say that again. So the, the question about busy, is it, is it like really busyness that I'm dealing with? Or am I just doing a lot of things that I want to do? In other words, am I, is my life full, they mm. have a full life right now. And that's a way of, like, reframing the story of what's happening. Am, am I living my life or is my life
1: being, like, subjected to and, like, being full that, well, of That's a great setup for our, our conversation today. Because right. today, what's the story, right? And, and there's a couple of aspects to this. And number one, I, let's just start right there, which is... We've said this before we're all the protagonists of our own story right. we're all the heroes of our own story well actually let's make so let's
0: put some distinction to this yeah because you said this last time and i I wanted to wait till this podcast to really hmm. explode that and like talk about it when when Ken when you say we're all the protagonists we're the hero we need to understand first of all and I got this this isn't mine I got this from a friend who did communications work uh in DC for a long time and he mm-hmm. said like you know every, every story in the newspaper every time you're being interviewed for the newspaper you have to understand that they're writing a story that basically is there's a hero mm-hmm. there's a villain and there's a victim and it, you have to be very careful about how you enter in that story because you could not, without knowing it you're the villain right mm-hmm. you could be the, become the villain and he said most people think that they're the hero and they're wrong but like if we understand that we're and and this is a very simplistic way of looking at it but unfortunately as as people we tend to be tend to absorb things in this simple structure hero victim villain and you think about everything that goes on in our days you know i got a parking ticket we talked about that earlier yeah i got a parking (laughs) ticket like i'm a victim that person is a villain
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right? right There's like this sense of like I. There's a structure that we're constantly dealing with, and if you understand that structure, you can start to understand. Oh, I'm telling myself a story. Yes. Right. Go
1: ahead. Yeah. No, I think it's great. I mean, this architect of stories, the, the the archetype, the architecture of stories. I actually do want to come back to because I think it's a really useful framework to think about in our day to day leadership and business and 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 motivating a team and engaging with others. But, I, I, but before we go there, I, I want to just, I, I want to drill in a little bit more on this this whole where all the heroes, because in our own mind, it's always, you know, to get the literary references or metaphors, it's all a first-person story. It's a first-person narrative. I am waking up today, and I'm going to win. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to fight off these things. I'm going to, all this hero-victim, you know, kind of like. But you're always the hero. You're always the center of that. And the reality of it is often in business we're actually the extras we're, we're right. not any of those things we're right. actually the extras right and there's this there's this i mean freedom to recognizing that and understanding but i think there's this this uh power that you get by analyzing the moment and understanding what what is your role mm. in this part of the story mm. are you the supporting character are you are you being asked to be the hero right now? Are you um, the villain that's actually in the mind of the person you're trying to speak with, or people? Are you an obstacle to making progress? Yeah. So that
0: last piece, right? Yeah. That's a hard one. That's tough. Because because I you know there's I I used to, as you know, I used to teach English. Mm. I used to talk about literature a lot of times and the. Um, there are only a couple characters throughout history that actually claim to be a villain. Hmm. Right. There uh, and is, and I say this from my own understanding, there are probably more, but there, my understanding, there's Iago and Othello, which is like, I'm going to be the villain, right? <laughs> there's uh, Lucifer. In the story um, by Milton mm. about Paradise Lost, mm. where he talks about like "Evil be thou my good," right? That's a that's a thing. Um, I'm trying to think if there's another one, but those those two, right? Those two, like it's rare, yeah, that you have a character in a story who thinks it, it, they're actually a villain.
1: Right? Well, and, and I mean, I was just you just made me think that, you know, there's all kinds of business situations where others are going to naturally perceive us as the villain. And I'll speak from my own experience, you know, being responsible for information technology and cybersecurity and all kinds of things. There's times where I have to tell people, you can't do the thing you want to do. Right? Security. Good example. You can't do the thing you want to do. There's controls that we have to put on them. You know, things. You've got to follow these rules. And you can't use that app because it's a problem. You can use this application, whatever. But uh, that can be perceived very easily. It's a very basic example, but that can be perceived as I am preventing somebody from doing what they need to do to be successful. Right. Right, so obviously so I am now the villain, and I know this. I I am consciously choosing to prevent somebody from doing the thing they tried to do. Of course, I'm doing it for the betterment of the organization, safety, the individual, data privacy, all those reasons. But if I'm not conscious of the story, then I'm gonna run into these obstacles of change management, of support, of engagement, of helping people understand how. No, no, this is, in this case, I'm not the villain. I'm also not the hero. I'm the supporting character. And I'm going to help, it's my job, is to mm. support you and to get what you need done. So let's talk about what you're trying to do. But if I, if I approach it without mind without being mindful of the story that's being told right now. That, right there. Right. right? If I don't recognize that there is actually
0: a story there being is. told. Now, never mind. Like you, you were sort of like, oh, maybe I'm just an extra. Right. Right. Maybe I'm not like a major player here. That's helpful, right? That sort of takes some of the energy out of my own story. Mm. But then there's like these people that I'm dealing with, they have a story. And we have to be aware of like, how am I, again, how am I playing into that story? (laughs) I may recognize I'm just an extra, but to them, I might look like
1: the villain. Yeah. Right. Right? Which is your point. Yeah. And this is this is this is a skill. This is, I was really excited as well to talk this episode, as I mentioned in our last time we met, because this is a skill that in a lot of fields, mine being one of them, you know, an engineering field, a software development field, an architecture, you know, technical, whatever we talked about, um, that we don't select for. Mm. No. We, don't, we don't select for storytelling. We don't teach storytelling. And I, I was blessed. I told you this offline before we were preparing. But, you know, I was blessed. And I always think back to this. The best storyteller of my, my personal favorite storyteller was my adoptive grandmother. Hmm. She was my, all right, ready, listeners, follow this. She was my mother's first husband's mother. So no blood relationship, but we adopted one another. In fact, I named my daughter after her. Uh, She was a librarian and an elementary school teacher. And every time I'd visit her or she'd visit us, I would insist she would tell me the same story. It's the old woman and the pig. I could recite it to you from memory now, Uh, even now, many years later. Um, But she had this way
0: Mm.
1: of making the story come to life. Yeah, of course. I was a little kid, and I love my grandmother, and 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 also I'm sure that had to play into it. But when I and, and and I think also I come from Georgia, as you might be able to tell. I think there's a history, an oral tradition. You know, storytelling is is important to me. Right. And yet, when we get into the workplace, so often we don't tell stories. Right. We write PowerPoints. We show Excel. We you know, maybe there's a Word document in there, you know, but even emails are not stories, they're just facts. And I think that we lose, we get frustrated when we feel like, well, I showed you all the data. How did you not achieve or arrive at the same conclusion as I did? Oh, it's because, and I think we've touched on some of this before, but it's because there wasn't a story to it. There wasn't a walk me to the conclusion where's the hero where's the villain where's the victim and how do i take this pile of data and turn it into something actionable memorable Mm. and motivating
0: right so there are a couple of things you're saying about this that we want to let's just simply let's just pick it apart yeah there's a thing in there that you said let's think about just data right you're when you're in a technical field, when you're in a field where information, detailed information is important, we tend to like overemphasize the importance of the data we're sharing. It's like like well, it's twenty four or it's you know two hundred ninety six, mm. and and what I try to explain to people when I'm working with them on this and their in their slides and their communication is that if you, and we're, we're using the word story, but I'll use the word context. Sure. If you don't provide context for that, if you don't provide background mm. for that, if you assume that the audience is just going to understand what that number or what that data point means, mm-hmm. you're, you're you're basically giving up the story entirely to the audience. Now, that's fine. If you're an engineer and you're talking to a bunch of engineers and they all understand like what it is that we're you know we're all trying to solve this problem with this coefficient ratio of this engine blah 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 like we're trying to figure out something about how, why it's not doing and I say well it's da 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 like some number some data point and everyone understands what we're talking about mm-hmm. but if you're talking about a wider range especially if you're talking to CEOs and executives not only will they not understand what that context is they are unlikely to ask you. Yeah. So what they're going to do is they're going to make an assumption. Yeah. And they're going to tell themselves a story about what that is. That make sense? It does. And I
1: think that, I think we underappreciate how much, because in the absence of context, data is just noise. It's just noise. Right. And so it's difficult for, in that context, when you're, when you're speaking to just use that example of the C-suite, the executives, the leaders, whoever the decision makers are, They're being asked a lot of things. They're being asked a lot of things every day. They're being asked to make decisions, Mm -hmm. you know, with the best information they have available to them. And if you're not telling them the story, giving them the context, helping them understand the conclusion, then they're supplying it themselves. And you won't stand out. Oh, yeah. You won't stand out. Or unless you'll stand out in a bad way, well, it could be a bad right? way, but you you won't be memorable. And this is the thing about story too that I think, and it's why I, I, I do deliberately use that word, because we are human creatures and we think in story, mm. and we remember in stories. All of our, ask anybody what's your your first memory, what's your strongest memory, your favorite memory. They'll tell you a story. Mm. And it goes as much in the workplace. About I mean, think about like classic examples of Apple, Steve Jobs. He sold a story. Yeah. About who that user was and why you wanted to be that consumer. Right. That's that's the power. Is it stands out from it makes t- takes your use case, your data, your your passion, and it helps it stand out from all the noise that we deal with. I mean, if you think about the best leaders that you've ever worked with, one of the common descriptions I hear is one a, an adjective that I hear people, when I ask people that question, like, tell me about, you know, the best leaders you've worked with. It's like, oh, well, the most memorable that I've worked with was, you know, mm-hmm. this person. Tell me about why. Mm-hmm. And you hear a story. Right. And that's how we think. And that's how you stand out. And that's a leadership attribute. It's how it's how we make sense of the world. Yes, exactly. And and
0: A good I mean, look, you don't have to be Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell is probably like an example of of like one of the greatest (laughs) storytellers and writers of the modern era when it comes to taking research mm. and putting it into a context and a story framework that anyone can uh, who can read can understand and appreciate, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the trouble with Malcolm Gladwell, just as an aside, is that, like, you read his books and you think you understand the research, right? <laughs> and you think, like, now I'm going to go act on this. But, like, you know, it doesn't he's, – he's taking a lot of leaps. He's making a lot of yep. assumptions. And this story is so simple that you think you understand something deeper than you do. That's the danger of the storytelling. Yes. But the po- the power of the storytelling is the recognition that you don't actually have to be Malcolm Gladwell. You have to understand. The better you understand the research, the better you understand the data. Yeah. And your ability to put that data in a context and a story framework. Yeah. That your audience can use. Your audience can actually use.
1: Yeah. And remember, I'm back to that point. But you're you're right. I I, I want to make sure that we're we're clear. You know, I would never say, don't understand the data. Like, you've got to start with the information. Absolutely. This is the thing about, like, you know, quantitative research, which is where he starts with a lot and others do. And then marrying that with qualitative research, where you understand, to your point, the context. Right. It's the blend of those two things that creates a powerful moment message. You know, things that are motivating to people to move in a direction.
0: So So it's so helpful.
1: When and this is this is hard,
0: right? It's mm. so helpful when you can tell someone something, some information, and put it in a story package that is interesting, engaging, and, and like trackable. Mm. Like it's like there's 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 a, there's an arc there that you can understand. When you do that, that person gets a a a vehicle. By which he or she can take that information and bring it to another person. This is how we collaborate. This is how we work. This is how we've been able
1: to work with strangers. I, I, that's, a really, that's a really interesting and important point. The, you know, because if I tell you a story, just keep this word going. But if I tell you the story of like, we're gonna go do this project, we're gonna do this transformation, we're gonna do like whatever, we're mm-hmm. gonna launch this product. And if I tell you the story of, here's what the product, here's how it's going to solve our customers' needs. Here's how it's going to make the world a better place. Here's how it's going to make us a bunch of money. But if I tell you that story, you can retell that story to others. Exactly. You know, this is something you can, okay, I understand. This is kind of why we're doing this thing. And then you can take that to your team, to the message to others. But being able to bring it to that, this is, again, back to the communication core we want to make sure our message is translatable. Yeah. So let's actually
0: break this up for people because this is important. Mm. Uh, you said something to me offline a few weeks ago about doing, talking about technology and trying to make it simple. And you said something, what'd you say about simplicity and technology? I said
1: simple is actually hard. Simple Sim- is actually really Sim- hard. Simply is
0: really hard. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I want to say this to the group that like, storytelling is hard yes like it's work don't think that when i say when we say like you have to put the story is important and we Mm. understand things in story that you're just going to somehow take your data and just tell a good story once upon a time
1: yeah
0: (laughs) that's not how this works it takes a lot of effort but what i think i'm hearing you say ken is that uh if you are Someone with a techn technological background, you're you're doing research or data that don't shirk the storytelling part. Don't disregard the storytelling part because you disregard the storytelling part at the danger of of your audience being able to actualize.
1: Yes, you know to make actionable the piece that you're telling them. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I think that as leaders rising leaders, aspiring leaders, whatever, this is a really important question to be always asking yourself, is what story mm. am I telling here? Like, we're going to do our annual goals. What story am I telling about our goals? Why are these things important? Why will mm. people care? Right, what's the the arc of this? Mm. Um, how do they all tie together, mm. you know, or the product we're going to launch? What's, okay, so what's, a, Amazon has a great practice that they use internally, where before, when anybody proposes a new product or new service at AWS, they have to write the press release before any work begins. Right. They write the press release. Right. I love this practice because it makes you sit down and tell the story of, I'm going I'm to spend a bunch of energy on building this new thing, this new widget service cloud thing. And why is anybody going to care? Mm. And so they, they, they do it in a form of a press release, you know, kind of draft internal and they say, you know, Amazon today launched this new service. And it's meant for these customers. And it's going to solve this problem. And here's why it's valuable. And, but they tell the story of the product before they launch it. Mm. And it just grounds them in uh, the discussion of the the arc. Who's the victim here? Why are we the hero? Mm. And what villain are we defeating?
0: Mm.
1: Which is just, a, it's a great practice.
0: It, it, that is. It's, and it's hard. Anyone who's ever tried to do... Um, write a lead for a story Mm. is is going to tell you that like it's not easy it's not easy being able to just say this is the one line this is the thing that we want to talk about so there's this there's a story that Nora Ephron used to tell about when she was in I think it was high school she had a class that was like a journalism class. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know where she went to high school. It must have been a fancy one, uh, probably Exeter or something. <laughs> but she had a had a, a, a journalism class, and the teacher, I guess, was great. And he asked them, he told them, he said, uh, okay, next Thursday um, the teachers are going to all go to do this facilitation where they're going to learn about, oh, I'll make something up. It's like diversity and whatever. And so it's the whole day they're going to go there and like, can you write a lead for this? So he gave the, the job to everyone in the class to write a lead. And everybody's like trying to get all the information into the lead. And, and they all write in the piece of paper and they hand them up and he's like reading them. And he goes to them. And he's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, no, you guys all missed the, the assignment, mm-hmm. all messed it up. And they were like, what? Like, the lead is, no school on Thursday. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's important because it's really hard to remember who your audience is, Yeah, right? If you're going to write the lead for the school newspaper, you want to go with the actual piece of information that matters to the people who are hearing
1: it. Yeah, I mean, how often we've used that? I've used that metaphor in meetings where I'm looking at a presentation. I'm like, oh, guys, you buried the lead. Yes, right. Like, you know, 17 slides in, you find the nugget that is the needle mover. Right. It's like, oh, why did you make me wait this long for kind of like this is why this is so important? How did you not realize or, you know, get rid of the rest of the noise and simplify the message down to the the relevant pieces? So let me tell another story about a, this this was a... uh,
0: Someone who I used to work with who uh was asked by his boss how's the project going? Hmm. And he said, Oh, it's a it's a problem. His boss said, What what hmm. happened? He's like, Well, You know, we didn't get the, the vendors weren't communicating with the internal team and we didn't get the right resources and the resources got pulled and did something else. And he was like telling the story of this thing was going way off the rails and the boss was freaking out because like, this is a very important project. And we had like, I, why am I just hearing of this now? So it's like the story went on for a couple of minutes and finally it, it wrapped up with saying, but we resolved all of that. And it's on track and on budget. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and then he was like telling me the story. He's like, I don't understand why he got so upset. And I was like, You took him down a journey that he didn't need to go down. Exactly. Right? Like, that may have been a really interesting story to you. Yeah. That, like, you may have wanted to share all the ups and downs, but that's not what he wants to hear. He wants to hear, Where are we now? Mm-hmm. Right? And the story, the lead of Where We Are We Now is, We're on budget.
1: We're on time, right? Everything's going okay. Well, this is—I mean, it's—it's—it's a, it's, it's a great example, and I love it because I've actually it, it, here I've been for the last whatever half hour talking about like you know think about the story, ask yourself who's the hero, you know what are they listening, uh, who's your who's your audience rather, what do they need to remember? I think you do need to be careful though. I'm going to talk out of the other side of my mouth now, and that's okay. To not overuse story. Mm, talk about that. What do you mean by that? Well, I had I had this one guy on my team for a long time, and he was a natural storyteller. Yeah. So absolutely could tell you a story and make you laugh. Very engaging. In fact, it was interesting because I don't think, and I, I had conversations with him, development conversations, where it was actually a real part of his success mm. was he was able to engage almost anybody because he had this natural gift of gab, mm-hmm. gift of story. And could relate and put people at ease and help them along. But he was also the kind of guy that if you asked him, was like, I think we need another chair in this conference room. He would tell you about the chairs that his grandfather used to make and how they sold them at the market. And, you know, that he still got three of them in his dining room. And, like, that's great, but I just need another chair. Like, that's not an opportunity for story. Yeah, that's a great,
0: um, so to even simplify it more, right? If I ask you what time it is... Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear a story about your watch. Right. I just want to hear what time it is. That's it. I just need that information. And I think that that's, but it's hard, right? It's hard to understand, like, if you are good at storytelling, you don't, it's hard to know, right? When, when is it, when is this a, is this a good time for a story or a bad time for a story? (laughs) It's the moment. And And if you're not good at storytelling, you just think everybody wants to hear what time it is, right? Like, it's not. It's, 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 we need some context sometimes
1: we need to understand what so i guess what i'm saying is i think it's, it's as important as we've said is understanding what story is being told mm. it's also important to understand why that story is being told
0: does this so- story serve the purpose yes of why we're here and that is a piece that like you know the um and Chris Farley used to have, like, one of those, uh, the, one of his jokes was he would do the down by the river guy, remember? Where he would <laughs> oh, like, yeah. He would go to living the— Living in a van. The, yeah, living in a van, down by the river. And and he's making fun of, in that place, he's satirizing those talks that kids would get about, like, you know, the where they would be like, I don't want you to do drugs. I don't want you to drink alcohol. Uh, be careful of what choices that you make. And here's a terrible thing that like happened, but he's like trying to like tell this story. He's making fun of this. Like, let me tell you a story about the time <laughs> you down by the river and living in a van. This was going to happen to you. <laughs> and it's like, it is so, um, over the top. It's so out of proportion. I mean, it's funny. It's, cr- it's satire, yeah. But it's like, the point is, is that you have to be careful. And this gets to the hero victim villain thing. You have to be careful of how you're using that framework. So let's let's just start off with every conversation from your perspective. Every conversation somebody has with you about resources starts with what? What's the story?
1: We don't have enough is always the well, story that I'm told. We don't about. have enough, to but do what's the, the thing. story? But what's going to happen? Uh, we're not going to be able to deliver the, you name it, fill in the blank. The the sky is going falling to fall. Yeah. Right?
0: This terrible thing is going to happen. How tired are you of that story? Oh, in general,
1: it's well, yeah, it happens on such a regular basis right. that it just becomes uh, not noise. You know, it's always it's a, it's an opportunity for me. To, okay, let's sit down and talk about like what are the real consequences. But it is so common. I think for in any business, wherever you are, and I've been lucky to be part of growth businesses, you know, booming, investing. You know, I've also been part of organizations that have have had challenges and struggles, and it's funny because I get the same story, no matter what the uh, the 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 financials are, no matter what the situation, I get the same story.
0: Right.
1: No matter what the ask is. Yeah. Right. And the the
0: the reason why this is like important to surface is because we. We become so unconscious with the story frameworks that we mm. use, right? We're not thinking about what does this, what am I actually asking? Like, what is the, what is the story actually about? And to get to this thing about um, the framework of a hero, victim, villain is to say we unconsciously fall into that framework. Mm. And and it's actually not helpful most of the time, yeah. Because there are no villains a lot of times. A lot of times, especially when you're talking about within the company, you know, it's not commercials not making it hard for me to do my job, right? 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 Because they're out to get me. But they, they, we are in conflict in some way. And if I take it out of the hero, victim, villain, if I stop feeling like a victim, if I stop blaming them for being a villain, if I can find some way out of that paradigm. I might be able to say, like, we are actually trying
1: to do the same thing. We just aren't understanding each other. Yeah, well, I think we've, I mean, we've hit this theme a couple of times over the course of our episodes. But, you know, and I've, I've, I say it this way in my organization. I say we all work for the same stock price. We all work. I work at a publicly traded company. What's that story? We, the story is we are all here to serve the same purpose. Mm. So let's start from there. Right. Now, we may have tensions. We may have disagreements about what and how we should prioritize our energy okay. and investments. And this is actually where I've reframed the story of I don't, when I hear this, like we don't have enough resources to do a thing. Oh my God, the sky is falling. I said, okay, let's reframe that story. Hmm. So we have to ch- make choices. There are priorities that will fit within this envelope. Let's sit down and talk about the implications of choice A choice B, Mm. some other combination, somebody else might be brighter than me and come up with a combination I haven't thought of. But each one of those is going to have some output, some outcome that we can agree on and make just a a logical kind of math-based rational discussion around that. But we have to start from, as you said, reframing the story of there's no victim here, we're working towards the same purpose. If what,
0: Try this. What if there were no victim? What if there's no victim? What if there's no victim? I I, I don't even want to... Because I, I don't want to get in a debate with people about whether someone's a victim. Yeah. That, fine. You want to be a victim? Great. <laughs> what if there were no victims? Right. Right? Someone, someone cuts you off. You're driving. Someone cuts you off. Hmm. If you're unconscious of this, of this story framework, what do you think? Oh, my God. What an asshole. Right? Right? <laughs> And like, you know, some people think of themselves like a hero, like, I'm going to cut that guy off and show him what's, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to call the cops on him, whatever. Like, but, but sometimes if we can just, and again, it's just enough space in that story where we can open up, we can flip the story and be like, I bet that guy's having a bad day. Yeah. Right. Right. Some, something's up. Let me tell you uh, another example of this. Um, someone I worked with once, uh, she told a story to me about, we talk about how everybody, um, everybody's struggling in some way. You don't know what's going on. And and this is like I was upset with somebody we were working with. And she's like, look, you don't know what's going on with that person. Mm. And she told me the story, uh, and, and I won't mention names. Um, but basically the idea was that she was working, uh, in Boston and she got a call and she pulled over into a parking spot and she got a call and it was uh, something, I think it was like the hospital and her daughter like passed out at school and was in mm. the hospital and they found a tumor and they had to like, it was like all mm. like boom, boom, boom. It was like all this stuff like right away. And she, they were like, we have to operate. We need you here now. Mm. And she was like panicking, right? Because she's like, oh my God, like what's happening? And, and so you can picture Boston, right? She just pulls out of her spot and a guy drives right into her. No. Oh. So now she's like rattled in the cars and like she gets out and the guy is, you know, typical Bostonian, yelling at her, screaming at her. like, And she's not a, she's not a big woman. She's like a small woman. And she's looking at this guy, yelling at him. And I remember her saying... If this guy only knew. Mm. If this guy only knew what was going on. He would feel awful. And you think about that, right? You think about that and I have come to the understanding, Ken, that we everybody I meet has a story. Yeah. Nobody yeah. I know has if I've ever like had a chance to get to know doesn't have a story that would break your
1: heart. Yeah, right? Yeah. Or thrill you and thrill you. Because I think, you know, oh, people have their moments, that's right? It, that's my yeah. glass half full, right? There's the, those yeah. stories too. Yeah. You know, but I think, what, I mean, I think part of that is, is, is reframing, and again, we've touched on this, but approaching it with curiosity. Right. Approaching the situation saying, I don't have all the information. I want to understand this story. Also, and then right. using that to, to, as you approach others. That you lead or that you work with to say, the people I'm gonna to talk to don't have all the information. They need to understand the story.
0: What is the story?
1: What story is this group maybe they
0: might be telling themselves? Mm-hmm. And like, what information could I offer them that might change the story? Now, in order to do that, I have to be aware. I have to be aware that I'm telling myself a story oftentimes. Mm -hmm. I have to be aware that there is a story out there. So, for example, um, every company, whether they know it or not, every organization has a story that has been told within that organization about who and what that organization is. And it oftentimes doesn't get surfaced. Right. Mm -hmm. If you give information that goes against that, what that company thinks about itself. So take IBM, nineteen ninety two. Right. Yeah. IBM, nineteen
1: ninety, had a story about itself. Mm -hmm. What was that story? That story was that they were the leading technology company. They were the ones that understood the market. They were the source of innovation. Right. And what happened in by nineteen ninety two? Oh well, like completely. I mean, the the the. The sharks showed up with all the innovation out there. And another great example of this, I was just reading about them again the other day and remembering Blackberry. Oh my God, right? Totally. And, totally. you know, think about the Blackberry, and, and they did not see the story they told themselves about themselves was that the market wanted the physical keyboard, the market wanted the kind of centralized enterprise administration. That this whole thing of like tapping on a screen, that's a fad that won't work, um, didn't open up. And look what happened. I mean, they did. They owned 60% of the market, 70% of the market. And then they're, you know, it's kind of interesting to watch them evolve these days and cybersecurity and some other things. But they are a shadow of what they were. Right. Right. Because Because they couldn't let go of their own story. Right. So this is the thing, right? we The power
0: of story is in being aware of what is actually the story. What is the story I'm trying to tell? What is the story that's already out there? What is the story that these people are trying to tell? like, And then how does the information we're talking about fit into that story?
1: Right, And I think as leaders, this is the thing where when you become more conscious, when you ask your questions around this, when you become uh, aware of um, the stories that are being told, you can actually influence by understanding the story you want to shape. Yeah. And thinking in this way, you know, to create those memorable, simple, focused, mm. data-driven messages for your team, for your colleagues, for influence. Right. And that's where otherwise it's, it's either going to get best case lost in the noise. Right. Worst case, to your point, people are—you're going to be telling something, a story that goes against Ooh, the organizational right? story, Ooh. and then you get and caught, it, right? And, and then you're remembered caught. for not the good reasons, right? Right? And and you may be right, you may even be right. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in that case because you're going to be perceived as heard as you know really going upstream or, or against the um, the story the organization has. Right. You're you're. You're breaking with the
0: bias or the the, the belief system that they've created, mm. and if you if you don't under, if you don't think that what I'm what we're saying is real, right? Think about every time, every time any belief system is attacked, right? People do not like that. No, no one is like, oh, really? You know, you think I'm racist? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's so interesting. Tell me more about that. Or, you know, oh, you don't believe in, in my God? Oh, that's so interesting. Like, tell me more about that. Like, that is not how we respond.
1: And if you think that an organization doesn't have, like, a, a for-profit company, if you don't think in terms of a belief system, oh, it's real. Oh, it's real. Yeah. And in one of the ways that I tackled this, one of the ways I tackled this in my, my current role in my organization was we actually sat back and established a set and wrote them down. It's very important. Of guiding principles. Ah, so good. So good. This is our belief system. Yeah. This is how we solve problems. Yeah. This is how we make decisions. This is, you know, what we think about technology because I lead a technology organization. It's a, it's something that we actually, and this was really important because when I joined the team, when I joined the organization, I joined at a point where industry was shifting from, you know, kind of, I, I say all the time, this is not the IT I grew up in. Yeah. Right, you know, from enterprise data centers, you know, racking and stacking servers, big kind of power consumption to cloud, right? This, this transformation was happening. But there, there wasn't necessarily, it was, it was an uncomfortable moment of transition. And so, you know, part of my charter was kind of, okay, let's go. All right, team, we're going to figure this out. And part of what we did was we said, we used to operate this way. Yeah, right. But so our that. new guiding principle is we're cloud native. We're cloud first. We we make these decisions. And there are reasons. And then we actually talked about the reasons for our belief system as mm-hmm. to how we were doing. And we said and I said things like, if whatever you're working on today, three years from now you won't be working on that. Right. Which again, belief system. Okay. That is the pace of change. Right. And I want to invest in you to develop new skills. It's so it's so helpful. And you you did another thing
0: that I think is really important to name in terms of storytelling. And you said this to me, like early on, you said, IT has been perceived as a service,
1: Mm.
0: right? Yeah. It was a service. That is the story of IT. Yeah. And you said to your team, that will not work. Right. Right. We cannot be perceived as a service. We have to be perceived as a partner.
1: Yeah, and it it leads to and we probably will circle back on this in some other future episode, but it leads to like you get very conscious of the language you use, yeah, in telling the story and conscious choices like I try and push out I say we're not going to talk about IT and the business. Right. Like we're not part of the business. Right. Because what it does is it actually sets you up as an option. Like the business, the the rest of the business can choose to go to a third-party consultant. They can choose to go to IT. It sets you up as other. It sets you up as not part of the same organization. And there's a lot of organizational structures. And a lot of folks use consultants, contractors, different mixes, et cetera. But we wanted to start with the story of we're here as the technology experts for the business that we are a part of. Just like we have legal experts for the business that we're a part of and right. operations experts for the business that we're a part of. But when you have a technology question, you come here and that choice of language and how we shaped our own story really informed then the relationship we had with the other functions and with, you know, the, the C-suite. I, I love that. And it's 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 true. Like, you you worked really hard.
0: Oh, my teaching. team.
1: I was like very pedantic about this. Yeah. I'm like, don't say that. Strike that language. Right. Right. Right.
0: And, and the opportunity, right? So the way that because you've been able to do that, the opportunity is that the team gets brought in earlier. Yeah. Right. The
1: IT gets brought in earlier. I, I hear folks talk about like you know, oh, I just, if only we had a seat at the table. I'm like, if I'm not at the table, if somebody from my team isn't at the table. They come knocking because yeah. they rec- have have built that recognition. That again, when you're looking for this functional expertise, right. you bring right. in the functional experts right. that are part of our business. And, and 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 the story piece,
0: and you worked really hard on this too, teaching them your team because it's 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 IT. It's very uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of technology that's hard to explain, and you invested in having them learn how to tell stories yeah and and present information in a way that that people can understand, and that builds trust. Right? well, I, I,
1: I want to tell this story <laughs> we wrap up, but I want to tell this story because, as you know, I have a lot of as people listening, know, I like, can tell, I have a lot of passion around this, so there's reasons and such. And I had this thought. I said, you know, I believe I do truly believe that this is a skill that can be learned. Yeah, some people are natural, as I mentioned, you know, but but this is a skill that anybody can learn. And there's structure to it, there's thinking to it, there's feedback, just like anything else. And I was like, okay, I wanna I wanna convince my team that we should invest the energy to do this. Cause we have so much going on at any given time, projects and operations, all kinds of things, like any organization. And but I had prepped myself. I had this I had I had told myself in my mind the story that I would have to sell this to my leadership team. And I, really, I came at, you know, one of our senior staff meetings and I was like, okay, okay, team, I've got this idea. I think that, you know, we work with a lot of functions that don't understand the the detail, the technology, the piece like we do. And we have to always be, you know, sort of helping people understand, you know, why we need to do things a certain way. And I think I think that, you know, we have roles like managers and program managers or project leaders or, or business partners that would benefit from – from, hear me out, a class, like a workshop on storytelling. And I paused. And she was like, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> and I said, well, don't wait. I mean, the reason. Oh, wait, you you yeah, agreed. Right. You agreed. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so no one you get this, the, the win, yeah. uh, number one. But um, it, was, it was amazing to me how much it resonated. Yeah. And I was surprised by it. I had assumed, I had told myself the story you that my it, right? technical team, right. who were so focused on you know, really being experts at the craft, understanding the architecture and integration, the data, you know, the, the the technical detail. I had assumed that this wasn't going to resonate and I was surprised, and pleasantly so, and we did. We we established a series of workshops and yeah. something that's been powerful, gave us new language. Yeah, gave new language and in, in confidence. Confidence. Right? confidence. Yes.
0: Gave confidence in standing and telling that story. So for anyone listening and if you're wondering like how do i how do i improve my storytelling right the first thing i would say first thing i would say is read Mm, read stories read books you may read but like really think about what you're reading think about how this thing is structured think about why do i why do i like this story and not this other story Mm. and like really focus on what is happening language wise right what is what what is the the part that got me what is the part that kept in my mind what resonates in my mind and then i would recommend that you do some writing right do some writing take some time to like write in a journal like think about something that you experienced and imagine telling that to someone else in a way that they might be able to tell it to someone else mm. right and just practice, and I know that may sound like onerous, but I promise you, it,
1: the benefits are unbelievable. Well, the practice piece is key, and I do think that you know improving anything takes effort. Yeah, since I learned that a long time ago, I was in the army. It doesn't matter what you want to improve; it's going to take effort. If otherwise I'd be a, a, a master banjo player and I'm still, I aspire to mediocrity. Right. It, it turns out if I don't practice, I don't get any better. It's so funny, right? <laughs> it's weird that way. But there are things, there are tips and tricks on this. And one of the things that I learned, and it's I didn't intend to do, I didn't set out for this lesson, but years ago when Twitter was becoming a thing and I'm like, well, I'm an IT, I should probably know what that is. I signed up for Twitter at Gradykin and... It actually made me a better writer because mm. you've got to be able to convey your points. And at the time it was 140, now it's 280 characters. So you've got to get really good at editing. Yeah. No, that's and weird. this is another key skill for storytelling is editing. Write whatever you want. So glad that you said that. And then take away all the noise. Take away every other yeah. word. There is no, there's, you know, if you're
0: looking to improve your story, and even if you're a good writer...
1: The only thing that makes writing, writing is editing. Well, one of my favorite quotes of all time, Oscar Wilde said, I would have written a shorter letter if I'd had more time. Right. Right. And it's really thinking about getting your message across without all the noise. Right. Right. And being, you know, again, memorable, being motivating or on point and being clear. Absolutely. And we said before, simple is hard. Right, this is the part that really so does take hard. work.
0: So be kind to yourselves, folks. <laughs> if you're doing this, if you're working on this, if you're in the technology field or science field or, or some research based thing and you're trying to figure out how do I how do I bring this data in, in a story form, be kind, practice, try it out in different ways, and really pay attention to the emotions, the arc of the story, meaning like what's the beginning, middle, and end of the story. And what is it you want them to hear? What is it you want them to hear? Yeah,
1: and if there's any one skill that we've invested in for my organization, our team, this is probably the one that has made the biggest difference. More than any technical skill, Mm. more than like we're going to, you know, this kind of project management, that kind of agile. This has probably been the one. Mm. And it's because we work with people and people understand story. And that's how we influence. So good. So, and I love that we actually touched on, because I know we're wrapping up, but next week we're going to talk about I'm sorry and not sorry,
0: yeah.
1: and this is really good, because there's, there's, we touched on, like, thinking about the language we use, mm. and I'll, I'll tease with this, but I, my team has heard me say this, I never apologize at work, mm. and there's a reason for this that I can't wait to get into, because and it's very tied to story. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I like it, it's so helpful. Uh, looking forward to talking to you again,
0: Ken, next time. It's been another great week. And another great week. Thanks everybody for listening and see you next time.